When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Welcome to your Wednesday afternoon, folks. If you just started lunch, hope it's yummy. Hope it's good. Uh, we've just gone midday. The 28th of June. What does that mean? Two days from halfway through the year. Fantastic stuff. Uh, a shortened show today because we do have the wonderful rugby league show running it straight from two to three. Sammy and Kempi will be bringing you that and then the run home as per usual, three till six. So for the two hours we've got with you today, it's pretty packed actually. Um, Dan Talentire, NRL.com, still so much movement around there in the rugby league world. Uh, signings, suspensions, Reese Walsh got three weeks after a four hour hearing, incredible. Um, so we'll talk to Dan about the NRL. Uh, we're going to chat to Simon Burnton, he is a Guardian writer, the Guardian newspaper, UK cricket writer, on the Ashes, which starts, build-up starts tonight on SCNZ at 9 o'clock, ball by ball from 10 o'clock as well. Have our normal TRB odds updates and all the other bits and bobs. But it was a huge day yesterday uh, for the station with um, securing an interview with Ben O'Keefe in the first place uh, at midnight in France. Um, and we do appreciate that. And the feedback I've had both on the station yesterday and then privately and personally through DMs from referees all around the country thanking the station for bringing light to what they deal with on the daily. Now, what Ben got was pretty horrific, but um, the understanding now that these referees are getting it in person on the sidelines as well is just um, horrific. And that's not too strong a word. To, if you actually took the time to read what was on Ben O'Keefe's Instagram, it was just Horrific. So we thank them uh, and thank Ben for coming on. And he's passed on to me. He listened to your calls yesterday, um, and he's read. Uh, I sent him a screenshot as I said I would of all the messages of support for him, and he said it means the world to him. And he said let's hope it can make a positive imprint. Shortly, we'll be talking to Jacqueline Comer from uh, Reto Labs, who analyzes this stuff and might be able to throw a bit of light as to why, how we can stop it, etc, etc. But just before we do that, and I can see Jacqueline's on hold, uh, she might be interested in this actually, there was a press conference, uh, well, press a stand-up after the All Blacks training this morning, 
And I've just picked the two bits out. Um, Ian Foster, when asked to comment on the situation with Ben O'Keefe. Oh, there's no place for it. It's, um, you know, Ben's a quality ref. And, um, you know, he, you know, I trust he, he was making the decisions for with the right reasons. And, um, and you know, like, like always, he, he's never going to get 100% right. And coaches are never going to get 100% right. And players are never going to have 100%. But we've got a, an unforgiving crowd out there at the moment, haven't we, you know, who like to, to pick holes. And I think, that, you know, it's, it is... It's a sad part, and I think we've all got to play a part. I think we've got to play a part in that. I think the media got to play a part in that, and we've just got to stamp that out because the refs are, you know, they 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 do it. They've got a tough job, and um, you know, and we we just got to keep standing by them. So Ian Foster, All Black coach there, um, and then the player they put up for a chat was Dane Coles and his thoughts on what's going on. Yeah, I felt sorry for Ben. Like I've been on that side too, <laughs> abuse on social media. So it's always best to delete it for a bit. But yeah, I think we, as a um, as players, we have a responsibility. And um, like it's it's everyone's passionate about the game, but it's important that we just kind of leave it where it was and um, and respect him because he shouldn't abuse is a is, is not a great thing, especially through direct messages from some muppets on social media. So um, yeah, I've been in those shoes and it's not fun. But um, I think, you know, I think Clayton and everyone's kind of reached out and supported support of Ben. Um, it's important that we show um, respect to the, to, to the rest in the game because they're doing a great job. And sometimes they don't get it right, but it doesn't mean we can go out and, and do what, the, what people have done to them. So Dane Coles and um, Ian Foster throwing their support behind uh, referees in general there. Now, very pleased to welcome onto the show Jacqueline Coma from Areto Labs. Welcome in, Jacqueline. Thanks, Daffy. Thanks for having me. Um, explain to me and the listeners Areto Labs, the setup, what your purpose is, and how you can help us with the understanding of what's going on. Sure. Um, so Areto Labs is a women-led tech company, and we track and moderate online abuse. So as soon as uh, somebody sends something abusive on uh, a team, a player, maybe even a referee's uh, social media, um, account that the uh, our technology is able to analyze that if it's abusive it's able to hide it automatically well, um, and yeah so do, do you have to gosh ha, so the Ben O'Keefe situation for example there the, the was I was going to say hundreds there probably was is there an alert system that alerts your labs to, to this is what's happening or do you have to be approached and say hey can you have a look at this account yeah, it would be uh, be the latter. So if uh, if an organization approached us and said, hey, we know that this is an issue, uh, we want to be active versus uh, reactive, uh, and we know that this sort of thing comes up, we, we want to express our duty of care, we want to, you know, uh, protect, uh, protect these players, our team, these referees, we then track uh, those accounts and then the, the software works to automatically behind the scenes as soon as something comes in, it's analysed and then dealt with one way or the other. So in the real life situation, this was on Ben's Instagram and, and it was comments mm-hmm. to an Instagram post from months and months ago. They just went looking for him and just started posting stuff. Um, were you actively involved in, in some sort of moderation with that once it came to light? No, no, we weren't. No, we weren't. Okay. Normally, we would come in before uh, before anything happened, rather than after the fact. 
Okay, so for example, would a working project for you be something like, I don't know, a USA player misses a penalty shot in the semi-final of the FIFA World Cup that costs them a place in the final? You'd be proactive in that, thinking she's going to get some abuse. Um, yes, yeah, it's sort of, but we would definitely be working with the organizations around them, knowing the organizations, knowing that that is just one of the the um, the things that happens for for sports personalities, uh, for sports uh, brands, uh, and so they would come to us and say, "Hey, we know that something might happen, so let's make sure that we're we're handling all of these accounts and that we can moderate them as things come in." So definitely, again, it's it's uh, looking at the problem, understanding that that it's a problem uh, that's widespread, and that being proactive is better than reactive. So. Sure, we can jump in um, after the fact, but it's much better to be there before uh, because we know it is going to happen. It's just a matter of when. So what's the process for an organisation or an individual? Let's say, I don't know, let's use Lionel Messi, so, you know, a big name, a Ronaldo, or even Adi Savia in New Zealand. Can he go to you guys mm-hmm. and say, hey, can you guys, can I be a member of your labs? Or, or how, do, how does it work so it doesn't happen in the first place as far as your involvement concerned? Yeah, that's a really good question. So we, we absolutely are happy to work with individual athletes, but the software does work better when it works, you know, with a lot of people. So it's a team uh, or a uh, governing body would come to us and say, hey, we want to make sure that we're protecting not only our own social media staff who are um, under the gun as well and do receive a lot of abuse, but as well as uh, our players. Uh, we want to express a duty of care that way. Uh, and even the referees on the field, we want to protect them. And so then they would hire us to then handle, um, handle all of those accounts to load that into the software. Right, gotcha. So what are the trends? What are you seeing? Uh, I feel like it's growing. Um, The ability for nameless, faceless people to set up a a burner account, for want of a better word, and just have a crack at something. There's no photo and they can have any sort of name they want. Is it growing? Uh, It's it's really hard to say if it's growing or not, only because the the issue hasn't been tracked for that long, for the three years that we've been analyzing this sort of stuff. Um, I wouldn't say that it is growing. I think that the concentration... the concentration of louder voices is is certainly increasing. So we just uh, released a report about um, some NHL, so National Hockey League Pride uh, Pride games, and we found in that report that um, while the abuse was worse than we've seen anywhere at any time, it was horrific and quite depressing as a as a big hockey fan. Um, but it was actually concentrated. I think it was 11% of the abuse came or 100% of the abuse came from 11% of the commenters um, mm. throughout uh, the game. So it is sort of a, a louder minority. And unfortunately, it doesn't really matter when that volume is hitting you like it did for Ben O'Keefe. It doesn't matter who it's coming from. It still is going to impact you. Are there repercussions for these offenders? Like, uh, from what I can tell, there's no consequences. I could go on and absolutely mm. ream someone. I mean, we saw it, um, things directed at our Prime Minister, at our Health Minister during COVID times, and they are relentless and life-threatening and quite 
quite bad. I don't care what side of the fence you sit on, there is a line you cannot cross. Um, I'm happy for open, open constructive criticism, um, a little bit of passionate feedback, but these death threats and stuff, is that illegal? Uh, it depends on the country uh, uh, that that somebody is living in, and that's one of the challenges of managing and prosecuting online abuse is where is the person living, um, because that's the law of the land. Uh, so in New Zealand, you know, a death threat is illegal. In some countries, it might not be, and you might be living in New Zealand, but attacking somebody, you know, in in Cameroon, uh, and what are the laws of the land in Cameroon? You know, how, because we have so much um, uh, so much contact with people around the world, it's really easy to talk to anyone anywhere. That it does become a challenge with who who can be prosecuted and who like is the Cameroon government going to say, well, this person was abused in Cameroon, and so New Zealand police now you need to prosecute this person. That's a challenge. So I think that that is uh, that is a big problem. I think um, you know you say. That, there are few consequences. It doesn't seem like uh, there are any. And I think that that's, that's a really, really good point that you're making there is that, um, you know, online abuse has not had many uh, consequences, or at least the consequences have been positive. If you send, if you send something uh, nasty to someone, you feel good, uh, you know, maybe you were angry about something else in your life, or just, you know, you just wanted to hurt someone or say something, you feel really good and you might actually get a lot of likes. Uh, on your social media feed. So that's just fueling it. Unfortunately, there haven't been many negative consequences. And I think that's really where where we can start to shift the dial on the issue. If there were more consequences to those actions that, you know, for for the Ben O'Keefe example, if there, uh, if there were consequences, if the, um, if New Zealand Rugby or the Super Rugby League was able to look at the the offenders and say, well, that's strike number one. You do that one more time. You know, that's a yellow card. One more yellow card, and you're out. Uh, you're suspended from attending matches. You're suspended from uh, from any of our social media channels. Like, if we can start to have consequences to those negative consequences to those actions, I think we'll start to see a change. I like that, but there's a huge flaw in that in my view because it's so easy to open up just another account uh, under a different name, set up a separate email address. Um, and it was just like some of these people were posting on Ben O'Keefe's Instagram account with their name and their photo saying they wish he got cancer. And I'm like, mm. that that does law have to change in New Zealand? So are you telling me that there's no law in New Zealand? I can go on and tell Ben O'Keefe that, you know, someone put, I wished he was on that submarine that was looking for the Titanic. I mean, that, that's that's bloody awful. I know it's a motive and they may not have meant it, but people mm. can just do that. So is it like a legal change? Um, yes, it, it could be a legal change. And, you know, not, I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not really sure if you'd be able to, to prosecute somebody for saying, I wish you were on that, uh, that submersible. Um, you know, who knows, but I do think that the more people who understand that this is an issue, the more pressure there will be for us to look at the laws of the land and make sure that, that not only we have the right laws in place, I think, you know, it takes a long time to, 
to write a law and then get it through Parliament uh, and then get uh, the police educated on what laws there are that they can that are now on the books and how to prosecute that. It takes a long time and yet technology moves extremely quickly and there has to be a way, um, at least if there's a bigger will of the people. Uh, we've seen that in Europe, there's a will of the people to push for changes and so they have laws uh, on the books. Even Australia has uh, better laws on the books for that sort of thing because there's a bigger will of the people. So it's, you know, this might be the moment for New Zealand to say actually, you know, Ben O'Keefe, he's a great referee. Uh, this is, you know, our game. And this is a horrible thing that has just happened. And this is completely unacceptable. And oh, wait a second, what happens now? You know, who's what, what young kid is going to want to be a referee? How is this going to impact, you know, our national sport? And maybe that will get people to start caring enough to pressure government to make some laws that have teeth. We're talking to Jacqueline Comer from Areto Labs. Jacqueline, I, I, I fully understand that this is probably probably even less than 1% of the people that are making 100% of the impact. What can mm -hmm. us as rugby fans that just find this behaviour as abhorrent? Is it best for us to ignore it? Is it best for us to call it out? Because by and large, the massive majority of New Zealand rugby fans do not want this behaviour in and around our game. What can we do? Um, there's, there's a couple of things. Um, you know, you say that the people uh, with these accounts have their names and their photos. That means that they are somebody's, you know, father, mother, sister, brother, cousin, neighbour, uh, workmate. If, if you see them do something, say something. Like there's nothing worse than being called out for something dumb that you've done online and somebody saying, hey mate, that was like, uncalled for. Um, that's probably the job number one. I would say definitely do not, uh, do not respond to it on, on social media. Don't respond to the comments. We've tried, we've done lots of different experiments at Areto um, to understand what that does. And um, while it makes the person who's being attacked to the victim feel a lot better that they have support, it actually um, brings on more hate. Um, so if you say, hey, mate, that's not cool, um, you might actually get a blowback and people will pile on to you, which uh, is not what we want either. So definitely call it out to someone if you know someone doing it. Um, and then hopefully just trust that um, that there's someone looking out for, you know, the Ben O'Keefe's of the world that, you know, they're the organization under which he works is looking at the problem and is going to take some action around that. Mm. Jacqueline, I really appreciate your time today. It's it's uh, good work you're doing, and um, let's hope we can see some positive change. The, just trying to highlight this both here and and the great work you do as well. Thanks heaps for chatting to us today. Thanks, Kathy. She is Jacqueline Coma from Areto Labs, doing their very best to try and minimise all this harmful hate speech traffic that I detest. I don't mind robust argument. Don't mind that at all. But when you get personal and wish ill of people, it's just horrible. Horrible. And the fact she said more than once, um, people feel good about abusing someone. Good Lord. <coughs> good Lord. Anyway, um, we'll get the lines open if you want. If you want to comment on that, 0800 150 811. I'm going to go and fill my water bottle. I'll be back with you after the break. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ.
Righto, we're going to try and squeeze as many calls as we can into the four minutes we've got available. Mikey in Christchurch, first up. Mikey. Oh, hey, Steffi. I hope you, had, you probably had that drink to get the, the taste out of your mouth, eh? Um, <laughs> I'll try and make this short because, no, nah, seriously, I, I, uh, someone screenshotted some of those comments. I, I mean, I thought they were just abusive, but I read some of them um, yesterday and I was shocked to my core. I mean, at the end of the day, this is this is beyond abuse. If you're threatening physical harm against a person, mm. um, wishing death on a person, I'm sorry, you are not a New Zealander, you're not a Kiwi. Um, over in England, I'm pretty sure they had to change the law and it, it took someone who was um, threatening a politician, female politician, and they ended up killing her. Yes, they did. So they changed the law. Is that what it's going to take in this country? I know, I know. It's... It's, it's, oh, I can't talk much more about it because I'm, I'm, I'm sick to my core. It's horrible. Yes, and I'm very mindful we want to be entertaining, but we've also got to be honest and truthful. And if we can provide a platform and get people like you, Mikey, saying they're disgusted, um, I think that's what we've got to do. The people who ring up your station are sports fans. Mm. The people who write these comments, they're not sports fans. No. At all. They just they just got something wrong with them, and they need they need help because um, you can't act like that in a civilized society. If you don't want to be in a civilized society, go somewhere else where there's real problems mm. rather than someone refereeing a rugby match. Mm. Thank you, Mikey. <laughs> okay, mate. Cheers, buddy. Go to the far north, Michael from Marlin Country, Tutakaka. G'day, Michael. Hey, Steffi. Hey, how are you? Good, thanks, Michael. Um, I listened to Ben's interview belatedly yesterday, and um, and I agree with what Mikey said. The, the, these case fans want to take a really hard look at themselves, right? Um, they've actually detracted from the whole thing now, and um, this is this 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 shit's got to stop. And this beat up. I mean, the reality is, guys, you didn't play well enough to one just accept it and move on, right? It wasn't one man that got this wrong for you. Um, I was really disappointed in the billing, but I was even more disappointed in McMillan or the coach. I think it's McMillan, the, the coach. After the event, when he said, I'm not going to comment on the referee, I think the crowd's done that for me. Well, he may as well just come out and commented on the referee, right? Mm. And um, this, and Mikey's dead right. This, this is just... It's despicable, and unfortunately, New Zealanders are getting a reputation for having sour grapes when something doesn't go their own way, and we need to pull our heads in, take a really good look at ourselves and stop this crap, because without referees and officials, this sport stops right here, right now. Thank you, Michael. Well said. He'd be within his rights not to referee another match in New Zealand again and down to shove it. Mm. Good man. Thank you for your input, Michael. Thanks, Steffi. Cheers, mate. One more before the news. We stay up the far north. We talk to Paul. G'day, Paul. G'day, Steffi. Great interview, mate. Um, I I kind of think we just need to be careful in regards to... Well, first of all, things like racism and death threats are basically a non-negotiable, um, you know, uh, post or, or, or statement to, to anyone. Absolutely 100%. Um but um, I just think, you know, we need to be careful about how far and then who draws the line and what can be said and what can't be said, if you know what I mean? Mm. Um, because it, we can go down that line of blurring the lines. I mean, are we going to have officials at the Warriors this Friday walking up and down the stands and if anyone says, hey, ref, you're an effing cheat or we'll get, go to Specsavers 
you know, is that classed as, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, there are people that post other people, you know, criminals online and, and then people start posting, oh, this guy should rot in hell, he should blah, 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 burn in hell and hope he's not, you know what I mean? So um, is, is, that, is that okay? But what happened to them not okay, you know what I mean? I, th- I think there's... Um Intent in some messages, uh, there's jovial, like, oh, he's blind, uh, you know, he, he, he couldn't see a tree yeah. in a forest, um, you know, that's okay. But when you know, there were genuine death threats, like, watch your back, yeah. um, I've got a knife, yeah, well, that, that stuff that's, is... That's, that's, yeah, that's crossing the line, that's a death threat, mm. you know, um, yeah, that's an absolute death threat, you know, and, but... If someone said that about a person online, if someone posted something online about another person who's been stealing or, or, or he's a pedophile or whatever, and people jump on there and say the same thing, I mean, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, I do know what they, you mean. They, yeah. yeah, well, those people also need to be hauled up, you know, around the... But, um, but there are non-negotiables, you know, things like racism and death threats, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Mm. Um, you know, but you will hear it on the stands. You will hear it on the sidelines. You, know, oh, you will hear abuse. At refer- it's, it's not right, but, but you do. You, you'll hear it. So, yeah. Good man, Paul. Thank you for taking time to call yeah, us thanks, today. Mate. Cheers, buddy. Uh, we'll take some news, sport and weather with Johnny Mack. We're going to talk some NRL on the other side. He's from NRL.com. He joins the show reasonably frequently. He's got great insights. Dan Talentire after the news. Good to have Ed Sheeran in studio with us today. Just sit down, Ed. We're going to talk some NRL. We'll get you back soon. Uh, just as famous, actually, from NRL.com, Dan Talentire. He joins us now out of Australia. G'day, Dan. G'day. I'm not quite sure I'm as famous as Ed Sheeran. Uh, it's a little bit of a tough uh, reputation to live on, but really glad he was in studio there. It sounded yeah. very similar to his CDs, which is great. Yeah. Can, can you play guitar and sing? Are you prepared to bust one out for us? Uh, I can, uh, but on this short notice, we're going to need, yeah, let's just do NRL for today and we can maybe do some uh, Christmas caroling later in the year. Outstanding. Oh, I'm pleased I accidentally asked that question. Thank you to Sam for saying it in my ear. Right, so much to talk about. Uh, the first big one for me was it took four hours for Reese Walsh to, be, to find out he got three weeks suspension and I read somewhere the F and the C word was used 200 times in the hearing. Uh, yeah, just one or two expletives last night. Well, literally one or two. We just heard them over and over again. Look, at a marathon hearing, um, yeah, one of the more comprehensive ones uh, we've certainly covered uh, on the NRL website. Uh, look, um, um, yeah, just uh, one of those nights. It just felt like we were getting close to a verdict and we just kept getting more and more deliberation time. Uh, not only that, I think probably the, tri- the tipping point for a lot of people was the moment when 
Bruce Walsh was found guilty and then the panel had to spend more time deliberating as to how long the suspension would be. Uh, that was another half an hour, just on top of a very long night. Uh, yeah, look, just one of those hearings that just went for a very long time. Uh, all joking aside on the time, it is a very important um, case that was needed to be heard and needed to be heard correctly. I think um, one of the, you know, there's a lot of joking around the time and I think whilst it is lighthearted and it's funny for those that were in the room and having to blog online and all that sort of stuff, this is a player that's been found guilty of swearing at a match official. Um, we talk about grassroots kids and we talk about junior footy. It's something we absolutely cannot be having happen. Um, and so once Reese was found guilty, it is a really important one that um, there is a, a consequence to that because it's not something we want to be setting up as a precedent to be for having players swearing at match officials. In the, in the fullness of time, in a strange way, could the suspension be a good thing for Reese Walsh? Yeah, I think it's been really interesting. Billy Slater has said it a lot of times throughout State of Origin that Reese Walsh is a kid. And I think that's one thing that is really important to remember in all of this. Reese Walsh is a name that we've heard on the NRL stage for quite a while now, um, particularly given he's kind of come through as a gun throughout the Broncos. Obviously, he made such an impact in his first initial time at the Warriors and has excelled so much this year at the Broncos and going into Origin. Uh, this is a guy that is 20. He turns 21 in two weeks' time. Um, and at 20, the maturity isn't there at the same level as someone like Daly Cherry Evans. And so this is a player that still has so much growing to do in his career and both on and off the field. I think scarily on the field, Reese Walsh is a shadow of what he will become. He will only get better. Um, and off the field, he will continue to become more and more of a leader, more and more mature um, and more and more level-headed, I guess, in the way that he approaches his footy. So, look, you're right. I think whether it's a good thing or a bad thing for Reese is on Reese. It's how Reese takes this and how Reese changes um, what he does in the way that he approaches his football. Um, but like any suspension and like any setback in life, I guess you want to be able to take it and get better from it. And I think the hope is that Reese will do just that. At the other end of the career, um, into his 30s, Ben Hunt. Um, are we going to see two years of him not trying very hard for the Dragons? Or what sort of bloke is he? Is he going to respond and go, OK, Dragons aren't releasing me. This is my team. I have a crack. Do you see him fulfilling the whole term? Was this a power play for the Dragons? What, what, what's the verdict on this Ben Hunt-Dragons relationship? I think probably a mix of all of the options you said above there. First, first and foremost, Ben Hunt is an outstanding man. Uh, he is the captain of a club. He is someone that's been around the game for a long time, has played 300 games, is held in incredibly high regard, and you don't get to that standing by kicking stones and being difficult. So I think first and foremost, let's address the big issue in that Ben Hunt is not one that's going to kick stones for the rest of the year. Um, we saw, even on, in the Warriors game, I thought Ben Hunt played very well, backing up from Origin 48 hours later. I don't think many people will be tipping the Dragons to beat the Sharks this week, but I think you have no doubt that Ben Hunt will be trying and playing well. So I... First and foremost, I think whatever happens in Ben Hunt's future, whether he uh, remains at the Dragons for the full term of his contract through the end of 2025, or whether he moves on to another club and is granted a release, uh, I think there's no doubt that Ben Hunt is going to continue to give his all every week. Now, I think the Dragons have done a good thing in um, the way in which they've communicated quite clearly that they're not going to release Ben um, and going to work through these issues. I think there's probably a bit of an understanding that um, this is not the only conversation that Ben and the Dragons will have. Um, there's obviously a desire to um, no longer be at that club. And so that conversation between Ben and the Dragons will continue. I think during the season and particularly at a late stage of the season, which we're getting to, those conversations are 
hard to have. So I've no doubt that they'll probably continue more in the off-season as the kind of time um, that they've got to be able to work through those issues happens. Um, but having said all that, I think, too, there is certainly a desire from Ben and his management to no longer be at the club, whether that's still in place uh, come this time next year or in the off-season, we don't quite know. But, yeah, it's certainly a bit of a complicated one. And I think the way in which it's been played out quite publicly in the media has been probably disappointing for all involved. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's one that Ben will be at the Dragons for the rest of the year. I think we can be pretty confident on that. Where that takes us into next year, we probably need to wait and see. I want to ask you about Luke Brooks, and I, and I understand you have a um, relationship with West, or you've had relationships with West, etc. But the amazing thing to me, and I'm not talking about your writing, about other writers, was for quite some time people have been saying, and I'm trying to think who it was, said Luke Brooks's whole career has been... Uh, untapped potential, has never really lived up to his potential and had put in disappointing performances for West, went missing. And then all of a sudden it was a coup that Manly (laughs) had signed the talented Luke Brooks. All he had to do was sign for another club and all of a sudden he's a good player again. And along with that, they've got Daly Cherry Evans, they've got Schuster, they've signed Tommy Talia, they've got Tommy Turbo. They have so many riches there What's Manly going to look like? What What's their trajectory looking like? Yeah, I, I think it's... You mentioned first and foremost, I've yeah worked with Luke for 10 years at the Tigers. I've got a, a real adoration for the way in which he's carried himself under incredible pressure. I've never seen in my history of covering the game, which is not as long as many other journalists, it should be pointed out, but in my relationships in the game, I've never seen a player attract uh, as much scrutiny, mm. uh, warranted or unwarranted, as Luke Brooks. Um, and so I think the way in which Luke's been able to carry himself throughout all that has been incredibly impressive. And I, I have only but the best in what I wish of Luke. And I think he is going to be a really good signing at Manly. I think he complements Daly Cherry Evans extremely well. I think we've seen at the Tigers, Luke has had to be both the creator and the manager. And I think that's not a role that most players in the game can do in both. Daly Evans is an exceptional game manager. Um, and so Luke being able to come in as a creator who can first and foremost probably run the ball, but second of all, has a left foot kicking game to complement Daly Cherry Evans' right foot kicking game is a really great strength. And when you add in, yeah, the players that you mentioned there, I think you can talk about guys like Tolu Cooler and Jason Saad are probably two of the quickest players in the game. So Luke being able to create space for them is a benefit. Someone like Ruben Garrick on the wing is a great strength. Um, you look, talked about uh, Josh Schuster in the back row. They've got a fairly handy back row on the other side in Hamole Olakowatu. Uh, and so when you look at some of those talents, I think Manly are certainly a strong side. The elephant in the room is, of course, will Tommy Turbo stay healthy? And again, I think people at the NRL and across the game just want that to happen. Tom has been um, incredibly unlucky with some of the injuries he's suffered in early on in his career. And so we know what him at his best can add to Manly and add to the game. So I think if Manly can stay injury-free, and in particular Tommy, I think they're a really strong side next year. I think they will be in nearly everyone's top eight, and I think they're without a doubt one of the sides to be reckoned with if they can click, um, because I think Luke and Daly will form a really great combination. Brilliant. Dan Talentai. Oh, very quickly. Um, who wears the number one jersey for Queensland? I personally think they will go with AJ Brimson. AJ Brimson was the 18th man for Queensland uh, heading into game two. Uh, I think the injury to Dane Gagai this weekend means it's probably unlikely that he comes into the side and the hammer goes to fullback. I think hammer has been exceptional at centre. Leave him there. 
AJ Brimson has been in really good form and has been on the cusp of Queensland selection. I think he absolutely deserves that number one jersey and I think it's going to go exceptionally well there if given the opportunity. NRL.com, Stan Talentai, always appreciate your time. Looking forward to the tune next time we talk. Cool chat. Thank you. Cheers, mate. NRL.com, Stan Talentai. I want to talk a little bit of league with Sammy after the break. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Uh, someone, I've lost my text machine. Have I got it back? Yes, Staff. This is from Mike. The Chiefs have put a statement about the referee abuse on Facebook this morning worth a look and plug. Look, I went there. Um, and I can't find one. I I can just see there's a there's a photo with a thing that says the Chiefs Rugby Club condemned the abuse of Ben O'Keefe. We have deep care for people and have reached out to Ben to offer our support. That comes from Bill Osborne, who's the Chiefs Rugby Club chairman. Um, yeah, let, let's yeah. There's some more here uh, from Ken, good rugby man staff. I'm lost for words over this. I didn't read the comments, but what you and other listeners have said, I'm gutted for Ben and rugby itself. Thanks from Ken. And my eyes are going crazy. Uh, Fafita stuffed up his lines in the in the in the judiciary. Yes, Sam, uh, rugby league. Uh, we've got running it straight today. It's rugby league day, uh, full hour of rugby league. Um, I know it's probably too early to preview it, but what's your hot topics at the moment? Because rugby league has so many hot rugby topics. Rugby league. Um, the hottest ticket in town. Yeah. You mean as in this week? Topic-wise. For running it straight or just? Just rugby league. Gee, but there's so many staff, and this is why rugby league it, it just blows, to my, in my mind, the other code out of the water in terms of storylines because, okay, look, we've got the Warriors, so you've got um, this big storyline this weekend. For me, are we a top four side? Biggest question mark, are we a top four side? Everyone's talking about that, oh, they're top four. You know, some of the Fox shows saying, oh, you know, they premiership smoky. Well, you find that on Friday night at 8 o'clock mm. at Mount Smart, a sold-out Mount Smart against the Rabbitohs. So that's a massive story, right? But then there's so much going on with all the other teams. So, you know, look at the Dragons. Look at Ben Hunt. Now look at Manly signing players. Look at the Tigers and Luke Brooks saying he's going to leave. Look at, uh, you know, the, the Panthers who are like sort of rebuilding in a way. Look at Reese Walsh. Look at the Broncos who are starting to fall off a little bit of a of their sort of perch, as it were. You know, you've got the Sharkies who haven't beat a team, beaten a team outside of or haven't been the team above them. And I'm pretty sure they've only beaten teams outside the top eight. Yet somehow they still sit in fourth position. The Melbourne Storm, are they going to keep doing Melbourne Storm things? When does Ryan Pappenhausen come back? So many conversations Do you around feel rugby like, league. I feel that, like... That aren't just the 80 minutes on the park. Yeah, I feel like we talk about rugby, about what happens on the park, and not much else. There's just not many chapters of discussion points around rugby because we just don't know salary caps, tra- player trades. We don't have live stream judiciaries. We don't... There's just not as many subjects to talk about yeah. that we would talk about if they were out there. And the NRL embrace it, right? So uh, Brad Walter was live blogging the judiciary last night. The NRL, NRL website. This is the, the competition's administrators are live blogging a case that you would argue if it was in rugby staff, you know, very messy, very, oh, you know, he, he swore, he said the C word. We don't want to, you know, give this as much of your time as the others. You just get a press release. Here's the NRL, the organisation that runs this league, 
dealing with the hottest topic by live blogging it, <laughs> live blogging the judiciary. That's a, that's a competition that gets it, that understands that whether it's positive or negative, it's engagement, it's conversation, it, it's story building. So, you know, that, that's just where they get it right. And it's so funny, me and you, you and I, very rarely talk about on-field NRL stuff. Sometimes we talk about how the game on the weekend and who played well of it, but very rarely do mm. we because it so often is about all the other stuff. There's so much other stuff going yeah. on, yeah. That's true. That is true. Um, what do we got coming up soon? Um, I'll tell you after a break. You through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. We are coming up to news time. Just letting you know at the bottom of the hour, we'll catch up with what's hot and what's not with the TAB. And very soon, we're going to be talking some Ashes cricket. Do remember that coverage starts tonight at 9 o'clock, which will be fantastic. Um, Commentary team, Adam Collins, the great, the wonderful Jeremy Coney, uh, Damien Fleming, amongst others, um, ball by ball for the whole of the Ashes series. Do lock it in. Get yourself on the app, get yourself on the wireless. Uh, Build-up starts at nine. It is going to be fantastic. And also, after the news, I'm talking to the Guardian newspaper's cricket writer out of the UK, Simon Burnton, about who's going to make it, what's the atmosphere going to be like, what's Lords like. I'd love to go to Lords. I'm going to ask him about Lords. It's like the hallowed holy grail of cricket, isn't it? And um, the Poms are brought in another paceman. Will they play a spinner? All of that coming up after the news at one. And, of course, that's with the wonderful Johnny Mac. Don't go away, Ashes fans. Insights after the news. Getting you through your workday one hour at a time. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. match in the Ashes series is tonight. Just before we catch up with Simon Burton from the Guardian newspaper in the United Kingdom, we thought we'd just remind you of some of the some of the goings on from the first test, Kawaja's 100, the early declaration and ultimately the win from Australia. So just a little bit of a, a teaser for you about what's coming up uh, tonight and a reminder, from 9 o'clock the build-up starts, ball by ball from 10 o'clock but here's what happened in the first test. Stokes is calling them in, you know. Stokes is going to declare. Goodness me. This is a different world. Stokes up to the crease, wide of it, bowls here, Kawaja dabs through the offside, this time it's it. Usman Kawaja down to third man for four. Oh, he gives a big, he throws the bat in the air. Duck it, edges, and it's gone. Corner gully, a brilliant catch from Green. That's the wicket they wanted. Boland is in, down the wicket comes Crawley, edge through to the keeper. And out. Yeah, it is out. Didn't see the finger go, but Crawley's got to go. Broad bowls, Smith wider of the crease, in swing, and caught behind. Broad gets Smith as well. England have gone bang, bang, bang late in the day. 
Here's Broad. He's into Cummins. Begins off room. Slaps it through the covers for four. What a shot. Of 250 is up. Just 30 more needed for Australia. He is it down to third man. It's got plenty on it. Will it reach the rope? They'll get at least a couple. Dive in. It's full run. No. It's knocked no. over the boundary rope. <laughs> Pat Cummins drops his battered helmet and wheels away in celebration. We're on the eve of the second Ashes Test. We have live ball-by-ball commentary right throughout New Zealand and Australia here on the SCNZ Network. And joining us now, a man who's up to his eyeballs in it. He's a cricket writer for The Guardian in the UK, Simon Burnton. Thanks for jumping on late at night uh, for us down here. We're incredibly excited. Uh, The landscape of Lords will shape very differently to the first Test. Who do you think it favours, Simon? Oh, well, looking at the pitch from a distance, there's quite a lot of grass on it, a day out, quite green. Uh, England are going with a four-man theme attack. Um, and uh, who, who does it favour? I mean, it's really hard to say, but they're two very skilled teams. Uh, but I think England are slight favourites. Josh Tung, pace bowler. He's been added to the England side. Tell us a bit about him. So he's 25 years old, um, and I guess the interesting thing about him is he, he suffered for a long time with a trapped nerve in his shoulder that brought him to the brink of a premature retirement until he came back last June. Uh, but until there was a kind of breakthrough, he was given a cortisone injection that alleviated everything. Uh, he was seriously considering uh, retiring from the game in his early 20s, and his come back from that like he was he was quite hyped when he first break in, broke in into the uh, county circuit uh, then injury kind of pushed him away for a few years and um, over the last year he's come back he made his debut earlier in the month against Ireland and he looked pretty good he got no wickets in the first innings but uh, but bowled well I thought in the second innings his luck came good and he got five so he's already on the honours board at Lords and uh uh, he shows some promise. He bowls reasonably quickly. He sustains paces between 85 and 90 miles an hour. Uh, seems kind of quite versatile. Mm. Um, and importantly for England, given the way most of their bowlers keep falling apart, he seems to be able to kind of put in a real shift. Now, Lords, looking at the England team, Simon, um, their batters want flat pitches so they can play their baseball, but their bowlers want assistance from the pitch. Where on the barometer mm. do you think the conditions, who's going to enjoy Lords more from the England team? Will it be the batters or bowlers? So look at the pitch and the weather forecast. It looks like there's going to be assistance uh, like from the pitch and in the air for seen bowlers. Uh, so... It has a there are alarm bells going as far as the the batting is concerned. Um, I kind of expect whoever wins the toss will have a bowl, and it has I don't know the slightly dangerous, calamitous early collapse potential. Um, so we'll see how it pans out. But certainly, looking at the wicket today, if I were a seam bowler, I'd be licking my lips. <laughs> I want to ask you about Joe Root. Um, he was captain for 64 test matches. He's now no longer captain. Without the captaincy armband, 
is it agreeing with him? Does he look a little, little bit lighter and a little bit freer without the burden of captaincy? Yeah, he's one of those players that seems to have been genuinely transformed under the captaincy of Ben Stokes and, and Brendan McCullough's coaching. Um, his average has gone up quite a lot to getting on for 60 uh, since they took over and his uh, strike rate's up. And he generally seems a much happier human being. Mm. Um, I think that the last few months of his captaincy, particularly the, the last Ashes series in Australia, were pretty miserable for everyone involved. Uh, and he'd had enough. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it's a weight off his shoulders. Like, almost literally, he is a happier and better player and person. Yeah, you get the feeling he's just been left to bat. And um, I read an article oh, a wee while ago saying that he felt um, when he was captain, when he went out to bat, he could just be in his own little space and it was a bit of a relief. Um, he, we remember here in New Zealand him making a century against us at Lords last year. Um, he likes Lords as a batter, even though it's a, a bowler-friendly environment. Is that because he likes to roll his sleeves up and really take on a challenge? Well, I, I guess he does. I mean, fundamentally, he's a phenomenal bolt, uh, batter. He's a, a really great technical bat, batsman. Uh, so he does thrive in situations where less technically adept players don't. Um, you know why he is particularly successful at Lords? I don't know, it's hard to explain, uh, except just by you know by saying he's a, he's a a wonderful player. And the, I guess the one question mark is, like, since Stokes took over, uh, Joe has become much more attacking. He's weeding out this reverse ramp, which you don't often see in test cricket. Uh, and But he sees as a low-risk option. And I, I mean, for most humans, it, a shot like that would be simply unachievable. But uh, for someone on, on roots level, it's uh, a low-risk option. But he... I know he was stumped for the first time in, the, in his test career last week at Edgbaston, uh, dancing down the wicket and missing one from Nathan Lyon. Uh, and the, the question is whether he may be tempted sometimes to go more attacking than is necessary. Mm. Johnny Besto, I want to ask you about um, a wonderful, aggressive batter when he's on song. Um, is, is his selection safe in the in the medium short term? He, he dropped Usman Khawaja on the fourth day, which turned out to be quite a crucial drop. Um, is he safe? I think that his batting last year uh, made his return inevitable, and the only way they could really squeeze him in, given that in the meantime, Harry Brook had emerged as, as another undroppable batter, uh, was by giving him the gloves. And that, he has put a lot of work into his his wicket keeping over the years and sees it as a strength. And uh, but last week there were mistakes, and the fact is that he's coming off a long break from the game, a serious injury, uh, and maybe he's a little bit heavy. Uh, he's not, you know, at peak fitness at this point, mm-hmm. uh, and certainly compare if you compare the wicket keepers of the two teams. Last week, it was one of the areas where Australia had a clear advantage. 
Uh, is his position in the team safe? I think as long as he is batting well, uh, you've got to say it is. You know, he bats. He's like the epitome of the a so-called baseball style. Uh, produced some incredible innings last summer, and uh, England, certainly the team we've picked for this week, need that strength at, at number seven. I think that if you were to uh, swap him for a better, better wicketkeeper, but a lesser bat, uh, you would probably regret that decision as well. Mm. You know, the, if he puts catches down, uh, it looks like a, a foolhardy approach and a, an over-aggressive approach to have the, this you know, high-class, high-quality, uh, far-scoring batter who's not optimal uh, behind the stumps. But uh, the question is what you regret most. And perhaps they think that, if, that on a, in a bad game, he might put down a catch or two, but probably score 50, 60, 70 runs more than a, a, another, another wicketkeeper might. Yeah. So overall, overall, they win. Um, Moen Ali. I love the story about Moen Ali getting the text message from Ben Stokes with just Ash's question mark and the reply, LOL, and then he's come back into the team. Question over his fitness. Do you believe he will play, or do you believe he will be fit, and if fit, will he be selected, given that they look like they're going to look at a pace attack? Well, we've announced our team today and he's not in it, so he's definitely not playing okay. this week. Um, so... He was saying yesterday that he his finger was was good, uh, and he definitely bowled in practice. But given that it was only a matter of days since he basically couldn't bowl at all because of the pain, uh, he was having. I thought it would be uh, it would be an optimistic pick to put him in the team this week, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him back next week. Now, Aussie haven't. Incredibly, I didn't know this until I read it. Aussie haven't won the Ashes in England for 22 years. Um, mm. That that is a, that's an incredible stat. And the other incredible stat out of Australia is Nathan Lyons playing his hundredth consecutive Test match. Um, doesn't seem to matter what uh, conditions Nathan Lyon is dished up; they just pick him every single time. What, what do the English cricket fans, media, players make of Nathan Lyon? Uh, well, I think that he is, I, I think that in the past he has said a few uh, controversial things about England in the media or about their players in the media. Uh, and that that has made him someone the crowd picks on sometimes. They certainly did at Edgebaston last week. But I actually think he's, uh, he's particularly popular. Mm. He's one of those players I think that a lot of English fans like his, uh, I mean, respect as a player, obviously, but quite like his attitude. He's not, uh, he's got some spark to him about, I mean, I don't know him at all as a person, but he seems to have a bit of a spark about his personality, but also not to take himself too seriously. Uh, and yeah, he got a lot of stick last week. He was being, um, I don't know how you feel about swear words on your show, but he was being, uh, he was being compared unfavourably to Moeen Ali for a lot of last week's test in Birmingham. Moeen's a local lad there. Mm. Um, and he took that with 
good humour. He was often stuck fielding in front of the noisy section of the fans. And um, I, I think he handled it really well and, and generally handles himself really well. And of course, we would, uh, England would absolutely love to be able to select him in their team. Yeah. And uh, yeah, 100 consecutive test matches. Uh, he's the first bowler to achieve that. Uh, it's a, a, an incredible feat. And he, he wasn't that respected when he first came into the Australian team, was dropped a few times. Anyway, uh, I think we, uh, I think most English cricket fans envy Australia's ability to have him and quite like him as a character. Talking to Simon Burton, cricket writer for The Guardian. How important is this test match? Like I've, I've read Glenn McGrath has said, if Australia win this test match, it's game, set and match for the Ashes. I think mm. us, us neutrals, we would desperately love England to tie it up one all and just completely spark up an incredibly white-hot Ashes as it is already. England will know that. And it'll be interesting to see the tactics they take into this game, Simon. Do, do you see them changing, modifying, maybe being a little bit more conservative? Not conservative, but just a touch more? I just, so I often spoke about this today. One nil down in the series, two nils a pretty ugly scoreline to be nursing. If, as the game progresses, it looks like a, an England win is the least likely outcome. Would he play for a draw? Would he try to kill the game? And he said, under no circumstances, no way. And it would be interesting to see that tested. You, you talk about it being 22 years since Australia last won the Ashes here. And I think uh, English cricket fans came into this summer more optimistic about their team than they have been for a long time. And it would be ironic, the kind of savage irony that, that sport throws up if this for the summer when, when Australia do win here. Uh, I do think that they were, that Australia were quite lucky to win the first game. I think that, that generally England made that game what it was. Uh, they took the risks and pushed and Australia took the opportunity that, that those tactics handed to them in the end. Uh, but you know, Pat Cummins today talks about it being a real boost, they managed to win that game despite not playing particularly well, or some of their key players not playing particularly well, and uh, Smith and Labuschagne didn't really contribute. Uh, but England, it felt like England made a lot of mistakes during the game. There were a lot of nobles bowled, chances dropped, um, uh, some poor shots taken, some like, wickets given away, and that you know if both teams had played to an average level. England would probably have won reasonably comfortably. Mm. So we'll see what happens this week, you know. Uh, but 2 0 is definitely not a scoreline that England want to be having to deal with after two matches. The Theatre of Lords awaits both these teams. I just cannot think of a better stage. I've never been to Lords, it's one of my bucket list items, Simon. Um, the atmosphere in there, the, the history. The, the long route, all, all of those things around Lords. You couldn't ask for a better venue for this very crucial test. Oh, I have to say I'm a bit, a bit less keen on Lords. I think it's a kind of strange place. It's like, a, uh, it's got the history, of course, but it is like a, a very, a bubble of white privilege. And I, this is something that, 
uh, English cricket is dealing with at the moment anyway. Uh, but there's a lot of, like when you walk around, if you walk around the, the outfield at the end of the day's play at Lords, there's lots of champagne corks that have been popped in the stands as the day's gone on. It doesn't really happen uh, in other cricket grounds around the country. You know, people drink more, uh, I don't know, more standard everyday beverages than, yeah. than champagne. Uh, Lords is a, just a slightly odd, slightly uncomfortable bubble unless you're you're from that world. And certainly in you know, Edgbaston, where we, where we were last week in Birmingham, the fans are a lot noisier uh, and it feels more, and to me, it feels like a better reflection of the society we live in than Lords does. That's beautifully painted, Simon. That's why you're a good writer, I'm imagining. That. You've painted a beautiful picture for me. Hey, I'll, I'll, I won't hold you up anymore. We really appreciate in New Zealand down here you joining us um, out of the UK. Uh, we can't wait to bring the commentary, as I say, to all of Australia and New Zealand on our network. Thanks heaps for joining us, Simon. Really enjoyed the chat. No problem at all. Thank you. Music only means one thing. <laughs> it's Bailey's property of the week time, and um, intern Braden Yossi, he's uh, he's taken the big chair for the last hour, last hour of this show. So Bailey's property of the week, get ready, Brad. I'm going to be asking you some questions. It is. I had the address. I had the address. Stand by. It is at 133 Kawakawa Road. Overlooking Kinlock. It's 280 hectares. It's being offered for sale. Here's my first question, Braden. It's got options of subdivision, Manuka honey, or forestry, or carbon farming. What's carbon farming, Braden? I have no idea. Neither do I. No, no, you were telling me just before what it was. <laughs> Braden was. Yeah. What is it? You know, you, you were talking about the, the the corn and the you know and the starch and the mixing and the you know and the tractors and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Is that what carbon farming is? I was thinking, is carbon farming planting trees to combat carbon dioxide? Ah, uh, that sounds too. That sounds that makes too much sense. Mm. I think it's um, like literal harvesting the carbon. You know what I should do? I should ring Stan Sickler. Because he's the man in Topol. Stan's the man. Stan the man, Sickler. Do you know he sold something like $125 million worth of property? Did you say $125 million? Stan Sickler. He's the man. Now, it's a significant portion of the property that's already been planted in Manuka trees. And the trees are now two to three years old. So there's an opportunity. Capitalise on the Manuka honey industry. That is going off. There's lots of multi-use sheds uh, scattered right through the property. Two have concrete flooring. Previously, these buildings used to be, or have previously, and could be again, served as calf-rearing facilities. It's on an elevated site with power. Uh, Provides a site with great views to build a new house. Additionally, there is currently there a three-bedroom farm cottage on the property. Now, look, it's not palatial. But that makes the property cheaper because you're not paying for a palatial house. You can build your own one to your own design, people. It's above the popular Kinlock area. It's just 25 minutes to Toport, 25-minute drive. Um, picturesque rural views. And Bailey spared no expense in the photos. They've got the drone up again, Sammy and Braden. The drone is up. How good? So good. It is so good. 
Um, what else can I tell you about this? Uh, under a controlled activity, there may be an opportunity to subdivide into several 10 hectare lots. How many hectares did I say it was? 280. Just bust out 20 10 hectare lots. That's a heck of, heck of a lot of hectares, Steph. Heck of a hectare lot. Um, and importantly, it's got a total allowable nitrogen discharge of uh, $1,458 kilos per nitrogen, which is the tanned scale. I have no idea what that you're means. You're not familiar with the tanned scale? No. Well, you're going to have to educate yourself, Steph. No. You did, yeah, by the way, you did nail the carbon fa- uh, farming definition. Did it's, I? Uh, yeah, planting trees to offset the carbon emissions. So well done. Oh. And now just uh, have a guess at the tanned scale. No, I don't know what the tan scale is, but I tell you who does. Stan Sickler. Ah, should we call him the stand scale? Oh, yes. Yes. The, the Sicklinator will tell you about carbon farming and tanned scales uh, with your allowable nitrogen discharge. People in the know will know. But what I can say, what I can say and what I will say, is it's an exceptional property with views over the lake, over the mountains, buildings there, concrete floors, cottage there, so you can move in straight away and design your own, or live in it, do it up a little bit, it's fine, it's got a garage next to it as well, and a chimney, warm, park your car, toasty, fences, bit of moss, bit of gravel, bit of grass, lots of land, subdivide, happy days. Stan Sickler of Bailey's Towport, get in charge, or it's not get in charge, get in touch with Stan the man, Johnny Mac might, right after he's read the news. Yes, joining us now from the TAB, TAB.co.nz, or the app, racing, sport, promotions, in play, same game claims, the whole shebang, and Paul Mawadi Selesniak joins us on the show now. Paulie, welcome in. Yeah, thanks, Steph. I'm just I'm a wee bit busy trying to get tickets to Taylor Smith. <laughs> ah, Swift, Swift, oh, yes. <laughs> Taylor Smith. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I'd probably prefer tickets to the Smiths. Yes, I would too, actually. I, I very much yeah. would. Um, gee, I, no, I'd get a ticket to Taylor Swift and I'd scalp it. Yeah. And then I would, inv- <laughs> and then I would invest my money on yes, yes. the Dolphins to beat the Broncos. Yeah, hey, funny you should say that, because of all the matches for Round 18 of the NRL the only outsider that has been backed with any sort of interest has been the Dolphins up against the Broncos. So, yeah, Dolphins currently $3.10. The Broncos $1.35. Of course, the Dolphins coming off that big loss on the weekend. Um, but surely they start to... Be, and against their uh, state rivals, against their sort of, I guess, their big brothers... Um, and, of course, Wayne Bennett would love nothing more than to beat up on the Broncos. So I'm sure he'll have the Dolphins fizzing to go this weekend. And I agree with you. I think they're the value underdog this weekend in the NRL. The Dolphins, $3.10. But there's only one team punters want this weekend. Staff, the Friday night. <laughs> they're, they were eighty yesterday, and I come in this morning, turn the computer on, they're $1.69. Into $1.69, the Rabbitohs out to $2.13, and we cannot turn the tap off. 
Punters love the Waz. They're all over them. Uh, it'll be a fantastic event on Friday night uh, up there in Auckland. So, yeah. But, and they're up against a Rabbitoh side without, I guess, without their big attacking weapon. It all flows around um, uh, Mitchell. It, it's everything. And he makes other players around him better. So it's really, really hard for them to sort of create things. And we saw that uh, in their game against the Cowboys on the weekend. They really did struggle offensively to create um, fair dinkum chances. So, yeah, I I love the way that Webby's got the Warriors humming. Uh, I love the fact they're going to have a packed house supporting them on Friday night. All things looking good for the Warriors. Nice. Excellent. I'll be there. Sideline. Commentary. Head- oh, headphones. Man. Microphone. I've just had the call Beautiful. Up. Here we go. Uh, All Blacks first starting 15, 2023. I doubt Sam Whitelock's going to start. I actually think there'll be a few Crusaders and Chiefs players rested, given that they're all going to go. I asked uh, Cody Taylor yesterday, and Ian Foster said today, all 36 are going. Then they've got to come back in six days to play South Africa. I think that you could pick the eyes out of some value of some of these outside backs, midfielders, halves, etc. I'm just wondering where where have punters found some chocolates in amongst these markets? Okay, well, you've mentioned the locks, and the most favoured uh, pairing uh, for the bookies is Retallick and Scott Barrett at a dollar thirty-five. Mm. I get the feeling they're probably going to arrest one or both of those boys for the first test. So I'm with you. I like the any other combination at yep. $2. I do too. I think that's great value in terms of our locks. Um, the hooker, I, do, I don't think they're going to start Dane Coles. He's $4.50. Um, look, I, I know Cody Taylor's the favourite at forty. I'm tempted to put <laughs> Tokiaho in there at two seventy. Really tempted. Um I think the props pick themselves, Ethan DeGroote and Tyrell Lomax. I'm happy to go with the dollar twenty-five there. Um, punters are really, really spreading their money in the outside back. So this is the one that's no one really has put a stake in the ground and said this is definitely going to be um, the back three combo. Um, there's been money on Jordan flying a Nuku and Narawa at two dollars. Uh, having said that, it, it, it's not far behind to go to the next best um, selection, and that's Bowden Barrett flying Anuku and Will Jordan at $3. So um, there's plenty of... The, the spread's far and wide in terms of outside backs. So if you could point the punters in a certain direction that might help them, it would be doing them a big favour, Steph. I was going to, but I'm a bit disappointed that every single combination's got Lester Fyanganuku in it because at the press conference at 11 o'clock this morning, Ian Foster said he's got a calf tightening and given that he's going to have many hours on the plane, he's just played a final, he, he, may, not get, he may not make that back three. He may not make oh, that back three. And we've got to take the $1.25 any other yeah, combo. Yeah, yeah, I just would have liked to pick a three... But um, never mind. And midfield, uh, I guess it's all Geordie and Rico now with Anton Leonard Brown out. Yes, yep. Geordie and Rico at a dollar ten, and and that's been back very, very popular with punters. Uh, and uh, as you say, with the um, suspension, um, it, 
looks fairly straightforward, Barrett and Ioane. And very quickly, before we scoot the ashes tonight, we've got ball by ball, build up from nine, first ball about 10 o'clock. It was close last time we spoke. Has there been any movement? No, it's still fairly close. Um, there, there are supporters for both teams. The Poms are two forty-seven. The Baggy Greens are two dollars and four. The draws come in slightly to four ninety-five. There are plenty of power plays. In fact, I see the boys have added a few overnight. Um, you can go all the way down to a twenty-six dollar power play. Uh, Root and Kawaja to both score centuries. Uh, in the first innings, that's paying $26. Of course, they did that uh, in the first test. Um, but if you head down the page, maybe someone like a Ben Stokes to stand up this time to hit a six, take a wicket, and a catch all in the first innings. That's nine fifty. Don't mind the look of that. He's a big-time player. They want to get back into the series. I can see him doing special things, even though he's under a wee bit of a... He doesn't seem 100%. Me too. Me too. Good stuff, Paulie. Always good chatting, bud. Very good. Thank you, Steph. Catch you again. See you, mate. Paul Mawadi at the TAB. Uh, download the app or tab.co.nz. Gamble responsibly. Be 18 years of age. Are you over 18, Braden? You must be over 18. Are you over 18? Yeah, you are. How old are you? You're 20. Oh, you've been 18 for two years. Two years. Uh, we'll have a break. Oh, back in... I oh, know. What's making news? Did you put this together, Braden? Did you put the what's making news together? Is he going to read it out or is Sam going to read it out? Okay, okay. You haven't progressed past that yet. That's that's his that's his vault. Sorry, did you did we did you guys catch me talking to Paul Mawadi there off here? No. Oh, okay, that's good. I was just giving him the big Mawadi down the sideline now. He's dummied it for his fourth try. He loved it. <laughs> I love it as well. Uh, I'm looking forward to what's making news after this. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? What is making news? Really we go to the newsroom. These, these headphones, the, the, the audio's only coming through one Actually, the mic's not quite as good a quality as the main mic either. Isn't it? No. Do you want me to shift across? No, it's not that bad. It's just like 5%. Man, your ears. Can you give me a witty outlook slash response to the new All Blacks jersey, Mark Stafford? Um, looks like it's something you'd get when you go to Cobb & Co and give it to your kids with some colouring in pencils to colour it in. Wow, I like that actually. I likened it to, um, you know when the warehouse um, starts selling apparel that just isn't quite official? You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like they've somehow got a brand but it's just not quite the actual brand. It's a nearly. It yeah. is a nearly brand and so you end up with this sort of hybrid thing that they're trying to pass off as being legit. Someone actually said it looks like something you'd buy at the Avondale Markets. Mm. I thought that was quite good. Yes. Was one hundred and forty nine now fifteen dollars. Um, what else is making news around the world? Now uh, you probably need to forgive the people of Germany here, Steph. I mean, for a lot of things, but <laughs> for uh, this in particular, because uh, the Dolphins and the Chiefs from the uh, NFL mm-hmm. are taking a game to Germany. It's actually going to be the second ever NFL game played in Germany, right? Mm-hmm. Tickets went on sale twelve p.m. local time today. Within two minutes. 
the queue had 1.4 million people in it. Oh my god! And they uh, were sold out within 15 minutes. Probably just due to like technical stuff. Allianz Arena, which is uh, is that Bayern Munich's um, home ground. So here's my thing, thinking around this stuff. I reckon um, they saw a football game and they all got confused. And they all, 1.4 million of them jumped on thinking they were actually buying tickets to a football game. Little did they know it's American football and it's the NFL. In any case, what a spectacle that's going to be in Germany. Oh, it'll still be great. Oh, you'd sell out Eden Park here in seconds. Yes. No doubt about it. Yes. Um, if it was a genuine NFL game. Um, <coughs> NASA. And this is breaking news, developing stories, things you need to know, staff. Thank the Lord NASA has announced, finally, finally, they can now turn 98% of human pee into drinking water. Very important step in the evolution of life support systems, NASA's chief Christopher Brown says. So keep that in mind when you're doing your flight to Mars. You're probably going to end up drinking your own pee. Speaking of drinking, and a bit of a sad story here, after a man, a UK man, on vacation with his family in Jamaica, died after attempting to partake in a challenge that involved drinking all 21 cocktails on the bar's menu. Oh, my God. He had finished 12 of the cocktails when he returned to his hotel room, uh, where he later died. The uh, cause of death was acute gastroenteritis due to alcohol consumption. Little word of warning to you out there, folks. Happy hour in Fiji. Just take it slow. Just have 11. And finally, Pink. How much time do I have, by the way? Because I'm, I'm completely blind. How long? Give, me, got, give me a time. You've got 30 seconds. No, that's not true. No, you've got 30 seconds because I've got stuff to say. I want to say something. Okay, Pink. Uh, Pink, who, uh, you know, very popular performer. Fantastic voice. Performing in London, uh, was taken aback at the BST Hyde Park Festival during a rendition of her hit, Just Like a Pill. Uh, fans have thrown a lot of things at her on stage staff, but she was surprised uh, when she hesitantly picked up a bag thrown onto the stage of Human Remains. What? She asked the fan who threw it, is this your mum? To which the fan said yes, and she said, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> it was the mum's ashes, by the way. It wasn't bones and oh. stuff, but it was a bag of ashes thrown on the stage. Be like My limbs. dying wish is to be on the stage of a pink concert. Can you imagine that? Yes. And finally, mm. uh, you want a fact? Of course I want a fact. Finish with a fact. Uh, an orca, mm-hmm. also known as? Killer whale. Yes, wrongly, Steph, because did you know? No. Did you know? It's not a whale. It's a dolphin. I know. Damn it, you knew that. I knew that. Um, they're the largest of the dolphin family, actually, including what we normally consider uh, killer whales, uh, false killer whale. There's all sorts of things that are involved in there, but it's not a whale, people. Mm. Call it a killer dolphin. Killer dolphin. Killer dolphin. Uh, Craig's texting saying, Staff, I know it's a short day for you, but if you have a moment, can you give me a good value tip for a $50 bonus bet on dolphins plus nine and a half against the Bronx? Or if you want to be brave, just take them head to head at $3.10. That's my tip. And a very quick one here. I might jump on this for in the next couple of days from Ken. Staffy, I heard you and Sam talking codes. Well, there's an elephant in the room in regards to Roger Tuivasa-Sheck. Why haven't we heard from him or the New Zealand Rugby Union? Are they playing games and not willing to release them because of the popularity of the Warriors? They have a history of underhand tactics when it comes to league, and this wouldn't surprise me with the popularity of the rival code. There's no way RTS will want to play NPC until the end of the year. What's going on? Actually, that's not Ken, that's Paul. I agree. What's going on? Sam Hewitt will get to the bottom of it, and we'll get back to you within 48 hours. We'll take a break, and we'll find out what happened back in the day. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ.
Here's what happened back in the day. And of course today is June the 28th and on this day in 1997, a very famous boxing incident involving Mike Tyson. What happened here? He got bit, I think. Evander Holyfield, look out, he's pushed right here, above us by Tyson. He's got bit in the ear. Oh my goodness, he's got a bloody right ear. Holyfield bit by a dirty Mike Tyson. I can't believe what I'm seeing. Believe it, he bit it and spat it out on the floor. Referee Mills Lane penalised him two points, and then it continued. Uh, Holyfield ultimately underwent a 20-minute procedure to have his right ear repaired. In 2005, Milwaukee Bucks selected Andrew Bogut first in the NBA draft. He became the first Australian, only the second foreigner after Yao Ming to be selected number one. A ream of birthdays. John Elway, 62. Bernie McCarhill, 58. Dwayne Mann, or Dwan Mann, 57. Willie Apiata, 50 years old. Uh, Savage, Wood, 41. And Kevin De Bruyne, uh, the Belgian football star, 31. Pale Rider was the number one movie in 1985, and this was the number one song sing-along. Big thank you to Sammy Hewitt for putting it together and uh, our intern, Braden Yossi. Great work. Good audio put together. Champion. Running it straight next with Sam and Kempi and then the run home. Three to six. Catch you tomorrow.